verse this morning is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, if you'll please turn there. Preaching a message that I've been preaching for some 25 years in this church. And it's important that we get it. So many Christians don't. We need to understand our full identity in Christ. And so let me read to you what it means to have Christ in you as the hope of glory. And so we see in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to start at verse 26, that there is a mystery hidden for ages and generations, but is now revealed to his saints. Let us pray. Father, give us the revelation of this mystery so that it is fully manifest in our being today. So there was a mystery hidden for all ages and all generations, but is now revealed. It's something the Old Testament saints didn't know. They had a shadow of, they had a a, a type and maybe a, a glimmer of understanding, but they didn't get it. Even the demonic realm didn't fully comprehend it. I would have to say even the angelic realm did not fully comprehend it. It was hidden in the heart of God to be manifest through Christ. And so in verse 27 it says, to them, the Gentiles, to those who are afar off, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. So he's saying to Israel, you didn't get it, you didn't understand it, it was hidden. But to you, I want to reveal it now in the Gentiles, in all the nations. It's going to all flesh and all people. The revelation is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Messiah in mankind, the hope of glory. This was predestined from the beginning of time that we would be conformed to the image of the Messiah. God had done this work so that what he wanted to do was remove the sin barrier between God and man, take man out of Adam and put him in Christ. By Christ dying on the cross, he took the punishment for the sin of mankind upon him so that by faith in Christ, we are cleansed from sin so that the very presence of God could come and dwell in us. That's the hope of glory that there is a hope there is an expectation that glory will manifest in everyone that's a believer let me give you an, an understanding of what the hope of glory is first of all hope is a confident expectation it's an expectation it's a knowing of what's coming it's it's expectant so there is a hope of glory what is that christ in us you put christ into a human being, there is a confident expectation that glory will manifest in that person. What is the glory? The glory is the nature of a thing. The glory of a rose is what? It's flower, right? That's how we understand it's a rose. The glory of an eagle is what? It's flight, it soars. It's the fullness of its nature. The glory of an apple tree is its apples, its fruit, its glory. 
So you put Christ in someone, there's a confident expectation that Christ will come out and manifest in someone. So who here has Jesus in them? Then everybody here, there is a confident expectation that Christ is manifesting his presence with greater glory as you live your life. Now the only thing that can stall that is you're not cooperating. Devil can't stop this thing because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He's an outside experience. He has nothing to do within you unless he's found his ways into the crevices and cracks of your mind and brain. Want him out, right? But Christ in us, there is an expectation, a confident expectation that God's nature is going to take over and bring forth fruit in your being. That's the promise to every believer. We should not be the same. I don't get any kind of thinking from a born-again believer that says, what can I get away with? What sin can I get? That's so contrary to the nature that's in you, that's moving and expanding. 24-7, the Holy Spirit is interceding within us. Christ is in us, and there's an expectation of glory. Now turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm not going to put the slide up until I hear pages shifting. I provide scriptures for you, but I just don't want you lazy. I want you to do the work, too. 2 Peter chapter 1. We start at verse 3. This divine power, His divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. That glory and excellence is in us. That's awesome. I'm amazed that, that this tells you how effective the blood of Jesus is that God would decide to dwell in you. You get this? Right? I mean, I know me. I'm amazed that God would want to take up residence in me. That's how much I know the blood of Jesus cleanses from sin. That blood cleansed me so that His very Spirit can dwell in me. And so His Spirit dwelling in me is bringing His excellence and His glory in me. Thank God, it's a free gift. Righteousness birthed right in me. And he goes on, he says, verse 4, by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, through what? The great promises, you may be what? Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of the sinful flesh or sinful desires. We are now partakers of the divine nature. Christ in you is an expected anticipation of glory showing up. Why? We're partaking of that glory. Through His promises, I partake of His very nature. How many of you have Jesus in you? How many of you have the nature of God in you? Is that nature expanding? Absolutely. It's absolutely taking over, if you will, 
yield to it. He must increase, I must decrease. We must listen to him and not the flesh and not the sinful desires of this world. We can partake of the divine nature. You lack wisdom, ask for it. You can taste it. You can participate in it. He'll find no fault in you asking. You've heard of no fault insurance. He has no fault of ignorance. (laughs) Just ask for wisdom. James says he finds no fault in those who ask, but he will give it generously. Whatever you lack, you lack peace, partake, taste. The fruit of his spirit is peace. Come on. You lack love, partake. There's a hope, an expectation in you that is all your provision. It's Christ in you. The church has forgotten that Jesus is in them. There's a confident expectation in every problem we face that Jesus is our way of escape, that there is a solution here that is going to be our answer. The expectation is the hope that Jesus is in me and the glory is there to be found for whatever situation I'm in. Should be no fear because I've got Christ in me. That is a hope a confident expectation of his glory because why i partake of this glory we partake every day we take and participate in the power of christ in us expanding that's what god hid for all mankind from all mankind he hid this No one understood that what he wanted to do was put himself in us. That was the original design for man. After the fall, it altered everything, didn't it? So then all we could have in the Old Testament were types and shadows. It was Christ visiting the people. God visiting through anointings and visiting through his presence. But what his mystery was now revealed in us, which is our hope and our expectation, is that he put himself in us. That's a game changer for the world. Got to get off the bench and get into the game. Begin changing our environment. God is here. When he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where is that will going to be manifest? Right here, the hope of glory, the expectation of glory. Christ's in you, I have an expectation. There's going to be glory. You enter into the room, there's an expectation in heaven. It's okay, it's okay, my child just entered the room. There's an expectation, my glory is now in that room. Let's not disappoint him anymore. Amen? Let's act upon that manifestation of glory. He's expecting it. In fact, there's, from glory, there's an expectation that if I'm in you, I'm coming out. But then we close the lips at the last minute. We get ashamed or embarrassed. We won't act. We won't move. When there is a hopeful expectation. Look at, talk about types and shadows. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3. Paul talks about this. This glory in us, this expectation of glory that's now in us, that was hidden from all time. And he talks about what happened with Moses in chapter uh, 3 of 2 Corinthians, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12, says this. Since we have such a hope, what's the hope? 
Jesus is in us, he's going to manifest to those around us. Why would you put Jesus in anything? I mean, you put God's glory in you, you would expect transformation, would you not? All right. This is not, see, this is not a religion. This, this is a new creation. This is a new species on the planet. This is an alteration to mankind being born again. Finally, there is hope in this dark planet. There is life. It's everywhere. This room is filled with a hopeful expectation to save this planet from hell, sin, and death. There's enough expectation in the number of people in this room that can transform this society. If you're looking for some political change from dead people, you're not going to get it. Why do you think everybody's attracted to zombies? Because everyone is a zombie. Everybody's dead. This planet is filled with dead people. You're the only living people alive spiritually. You're the only hope of God's presence on planet Earth. There's zombies everywhere, and you get to bring them into life. They're dead people. Do you think dead Donald Trump is going to change the world? Or dead Hillary? They're all dead. Their intellect's dead. Now understand what I'm saying. I know they're walking around, but spiritually they're dead. So they're going to make laws that are spiritually dead. And they're going to elect Supreme Court justices that possibly are spiritually dead. Get the view on this thing, everybody. We're the only hope on planet Earth. Now how many of you know the devil wants to get rid of that? Jesus said, you ain't getting rid of nothing. This is my planet. I've taken it over, and I've got an army in the land that I have a hopeful expectation is going to bring the glory of God. It's time to get back in the game, everybody. Amen? Now, Moses, uh, since we have this hope, we're very bold, Paul says. I'm going to read that again. Since we have such a hope, we're very bold. If you'll remember, that's what the early church prayed. After the day of Pentecost, they prayed for more boldness. You don't think the day of Pentecost was bold enough? (laughs) Chapter 4, they're praying for more boldness. More boldness, more boldness, more boldness. That's what we need to be praying. He says this, not like Moses who would put a veil on his face so that the Israelites might might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Now, when you read this in, in, in Exodus, you will see that when Moses had spent 40 days and nights in the cloud of glory, speaking to God as a friend face to face, now we know he literally wasn't face-to-face. That is a word that means that they spoke to each other directly. And he came down from the mountain. His face glowed. In fact, it says shafts of light came from his being. Now, in the Middle Ages, they mistranslated that word shafts of light in the Hebrew, and it said horns of light. And that's why Michelangelo, if you've ever looked at the sculpture of Moses from Michelangelo, Moses has got two little horns. It's like, what the heck is up with that? Moses, that little devil, had little horns. No, it's a mistranslation. Poor Michelangelo didn't know any better, and and his translation said horns of light. It meant shafts of light. His face 
was simply brilliant. And it says that every time he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, his face would shine. And so what he did is he put a veil over that face, right? But what's interesting is Paul tells us the mystery of that. The reason he put the veil over his face is because it became dull and went away. It would only last so long. And Paul tells us that's exactly what the Old Testament was. It was something that had an anointing but would leave. Have an anointing and would leave. He'd talk with the Lord and in time his face would fade. And so he says, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites not, might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. His face isn't shining. God isn't with us. But their minds were hardened. For to this day when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains up unlifted because only through Messiah Christ it's taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over the hearts and over the faces of the people. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom from being veiled and ignorant. The freedom, where the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. Oh, I like that verse. That means we can hoop and holler and shout and yell. There's freedom! Woo, 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 woo! Put it in context. The freedom is from being ignorant of God. There's freedom from having a veil and not understanding the mysteries of God. What is the mystery of God? Messiah in you. Christ in you. What is that? The hope of glory. There's an expectation of glory being manifest. That's the freedom you are free from sin and death. And so he goes on and he says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, how many believers? All. We all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, is that there is an ever-increasing glory from glory to glory, from level to level of being coming the same image and person as Christ Jesus. Woo, is that too radical? Because again, Paul says in Romans 8.29, we were predestined, this is God's plan from the beginning of time, hidden in a mystery, predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus. This is God's plan. You look more like Jesus than you did yesterday. God will do anything to get Jesus to conform in your image more and more. He'll draw Christ out. There's glory yet to be manifest today. Now, it could come out through any kind of situation. He's the master builder. He knows what to do to draw out of you the next level of manifesting His glory. If you've been at a level too long, come on. Wake up, take the veil off your eyes, and see what He's trying to do for you. It can come in many diverse ways. It can come through trial. James says, hey, when you're in a trial, this is awesome. 
This trial is an opportunity, an expectation, a hope that glory is going to come out. You just got to figure out where and how. And most of the time, if he's got the glory coming out in one particular manifestation, he's going to go for a different. Does that make sense to you? Because he's pulling Jesus out. He's manifesting Christ. That's the hope. It never stops. It's an expectation of glory coming out of you. It is a confident expectation. And I love this. Jesus said, what I have begun in you, I am what? Able to complete. How many of you have Jesus in you? Then till the day you die, he is manifesting his glory out of you. He's tugging you. He's pulling you. Huh? You can't sin like you used to. He won't let you get away with it. No, no. It's funny. I, I've, I've worked with people for many years, and, and I have people who tell me how, everything they got away with. They got away with driving home drunk. They were so high, they did this. They used to run drugs. They used to do this. They used to sleep around. They got away with everything. The minute they got saved and commit a sin, they're in jail. Why? God don't, God's drawing Jesus out. He doesn't, he's not punishing you for the sin. He's getting Jesus to come manifest. The, the, the punishment's built into the sin. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're understanding. Everything he's doing now is to manifest Christ in you. Whatever crisis, whatever struggle, whatever joy, whatever wonderful activity, it's to draw Jesus out. More glory. He's, he's just hopefully expecting to have Jesus drawn out of you in a, furthermore, in a more wonderful way. Isn't that awesome? Everything he's doing is an opportunity for Jesus to show up. So you have to understand how you're living. See, many Christians are living in the past present. They're present here, you're here, but you identify yourself with your past. You identify yourself with what you've been saved from. That's a great testimony, but put the thing away, will you? Because we've already manifested the glory of God out of that thing. So we don't need the past. The past is full of regret. Full of shame and guilt. The past is gone. Don't identify yourself with, well, my parents did this to me and I had that happen to me. I know that that's painful, but Jesus wants to bring glory into that thing and heal it so that your present choices are not based on your past identity. How many of you find yourself making decisions on your past identity? I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. I'm dumb. I'm not good enough. God can't accept me. That's a past tense of who you are there's an expected hope and anticipation of a glory of what you're becoming and that's the future identity there's opportunity in every decision of the present so don't make your decisions now based on your past you make every decision based on who you're becoming every choice now is an opportunity to become that glory that is expectant you're pregnant with jesus Every decision is pregnant with Jesus. Every yes and every no is pregnant to manifest the glory of God. How you respond under stress in every situation, there's a future tense to the decision you make. And so God wants you to be a future present. One is based on performance. The other is based on the prophetic. What I'm becoming. 
I'm not going to respond to this person the way I used to respond because I'm not the same person anymore. They did the same thing to me, but I'm not that guy. I am shaped in Jesus Christ. I don't need to fight the fight and have the mental anguish that I used to go around the mountain with that guy. I'm delivered. I'm new. I'm a new creation in Jesus. I'm going forward. I am a new creature. And so I'm prophetically walking into what I am becoming. What he began in us, he's able to what? Complete. You have no idea what you're going to look like when you're 80. Some of you are 80. Many years later from now, <laughs> there is an expectation, the hope of glory, since Christ is in you, he sees you as what you're becoming and ultimately what you'll be in, in glory, in paradise. He sees you as that. And there is an expectation for you to start performing out of that, not your past. Stop performing out of your past. Your past is gone. It's done. Even last week is gone. Next week is how I'm performing today. Man, if the church started doing that, can you imagine? What's 2017 look like for this community? How do you see it? Well, my expectation of glory is that souls are going to be saved. There's going to be three new churches planted in this community. There's going to be revival breaking out. People are going to be coming and, and going to be saved. And there's going to be healing rooms. You're all going to be having to put to work mentoring new uh, <coughs> disciples and developing them. Your prayer life's going to be off the charts. You're going to be laying hands on the sick. They're going to recover. This is what I'm making my choices on for next year, right now. Come on. You see what I'm talking? Are we a prophetic people or a performance-based people? Well, I make all my decisions based on my, what happened to me last year. But do you know how many people do that? We can't be that. There is an ever-increasing glory. Why? We partake, Peter said, of his nature. If I am drinking Jesus' juice, I should start looking like him. I am becoming more like him. You become what you worship. Unfortunately, many of us worship ourselves and we just become more of us. You don't need that. No. No. We want to become more like him. And we are being transformed into the same image of Christ. Is, is that amazing? That's who you are. When I look at you, that's who you are. Yeah, how many of you remember like a niece or a nephew? Last time you saw them, they were like four or five years old. Then it's been 10 years, you look at them and they're 15. It's like, whoa, what do you think? They don't grow? That happens to me. I'm expecting them to be this big. What happened? Nothing. I grew. You're not wearing the clothes I bought you. Yeah, you bought them when I was five. I'm not going to wear them anymore. We are changing in that same way. You don't look the same. You look more like Jesus. I don't act the same. I act more like Jesus. Now, that's what's amazing. And so how does this happen? Galatians 5.22 is, you know where I'm going with this. 
We're being changed in the image. That's Christ in us, the expectation, the confident expectation of glory, of doxa. Glory means the very character of God, the fruit of God. There is an expectation that you're becoming the very fruit of God on the earth. And so what is the nature of God? I've taught this for 25 years. Somebody better say the right answer. The fruit of the Spirit. This is the definition of holiness. This is the definition of God's character. The fruit. The fruit of something is the glory of something. The glory of Christ is the very nature of God. And what we're being changed into is the very image and nature of Christ That's the expected, confident glory that's being manifest in us, the very fruit of His nature. His nature is holiness. He's called the Spirit of Holiness, the Holy Spirit. And this is the definition of holiness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is growing in me with ever-increasing glory. I'm more patient today than I've ever been before. And I'm becoming even more patient than you could even imagine or think. Unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or imagine, according to the power that's at work in you, that's the confident expectation of change happening in your life. Come on, somebody get positive and know that I'm becoming this. I'm becoming Christ-like. There's greater love than you ever thought. We've got to teach new converts that they are becoming a new identity, a new creation. They are now, and it's manifesting in their lives. This is the very nature of God. Now, this is why the devil hates you. He can't have any of it. He left the presence of God. There is no love in him. There is no peace in the devil. He has no peace. He's restless always. He's always angry. He's always evil, always spiteful. You want to know how to fight the devil? You don't have to shout at him. You don't have to plead the blood. Bear the fruit of the nature of God. It will make him furious. All he wants to do is stir your flesh to be like him. But there's a new hope in glory here. He brings hate, you bring love. You beat him again. He brings sorrow and self-pity and despair, and you bring the joy of God as my strength. Hallelujah. You beat him again, he's under your feet. He's trying to get you to run your head round and round and spin in worry and confusion and doubt. And you say, I've got the peace of God that passes understanding. My Lord is in me. He's got a plan for my life. I'm fine waiting on him. The devil hates that. Shatter your faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's gentleness. There's kindness. He's none of that. None of that. Do you understand what the weapons of our warfare are? Do you understand what the armor of God is? When Paul says put on the whole armor of God when you're in warfare, do you know why you put on the whole armor of God? Do you know what the whole armor of God is? It's not swords and helmets and breastplates. It's your identity in Christ. It's who you are. So you put on the helmet of salvation, you say, I'm a son of God. My mind belongs to God. Christ in me. 
I have an expectation of, of the glory of what to say and what to do. My righteousness is from God. That's my identity. All you're doing is, is checking your identity. Your shield of faith is your identity. I trust God. Sword of the Spirit, it's the Word of God. It's mine. It's all the promises. It's my identity. This is who I am. So warfare has everything to do with who you are. The expectation of glory. You're a vessel of honor. You're a container of Jesus. One ounce of Jesus can change the world. How many of you know that? Come on, somebody pour out an ounce. Crack the lid on you and pour out. Jesus didn't say, I'll give you an ounce of me. What did he say would flow out of you? Come on, rivers. Does this land look like it's had a river of life flowing through it? It's a desert because the church doesn't know who they are. And there's no hope for this nation. Christians are acting like there's no hope. It's over now. What are we going to do? Really? What are we going to do? Christ in you. The hope of glory. You can change this whole planet. One of you, because there's a river flowing out of you. God only needs one well to bring a river into this world. We've got a house full of rivers of living water. We should be soaking wet. We should be walking like squish, 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 squish. How you doing? Ah, fine. How you doing? Squish, squish, squish. Rivers! Now he said, I'm going to do this. And, and many times it's whether you like it or not. <laughs> Because inwardly you want it, but many times you resist it. What would happen if we no longer resist it? That this hopeful expectation, this confident expectation, I'm going to get glory out of this situation. God's going to get glory out of me in this situation. There's something coming today that's going to provide glory to God. I tell you, that is awesome. That is is awesome. And I close with this last verse in Romans. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's living, that's active. What he means by this, it's not uh, about eating and drinking. He's comparing it to the law, the Old Testament. The law was just a shadow of Jesus. It was a visitation of his glory. So you keep the law by not eating pork and uh, uh, you know, not drinking to get drunk. Uh, and this and that was a matter of dietary law, certain things you could do, certain things you couldn't do, and that was a matter of obeying the law. Well, the law he wrote on your heart, now it's a personal issue. The law's in here. He lives in here. It's not about regulations of food and days and hours and weeks. It's about right relationship with him. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm in a perfect love relationship with him. Man, the expectation is joy and peace. Now he's going into the fruit of the Spirit. Again, the fruit or the glory of God is in us. It's a byproduct. It's springtime. We don't need little buds on us. We want fully ripened fruit. That's who you are. Now it's time to change. And I conclude with that. Change. Make the change. It's no longer performance. It's a person. Jesus it's him in us. And that is the hope, the confident expectation of his manifestation in your life. 
Christ in you is a confident expectation of the manifestation of Jesus. Confident expectation of his manifestation. Say it with me. Confident expectation of his manifestation. Did you get that? A lot of big words. <laughs> manifestation means demonstration, him coming out of you. Confident expectation is a hope. So God did this. Everyone that got saved here, it wasn't just so that you wouldn't go to hell. It was so that you would become a living witness of Christ. You are now, yeah, yeah. You are now inviting everyone in through the hospitality, the spirit of hospitality. You're inviting everyone in to Christ. You're fellowshipping with believers because the manifestation of Christ is so rich. And you're edifying others because you're speaking into their future. When you see a brother or sister, you're speaking into their identity of Christ coming and manifesting to another level of glory. How many of you are ready for a new level of glory? You ready for a new level of glory? All right. Where is it going to come from? Christ in you. That's where it's coming from. So matter, no matter what you're facing today, it's an opportunity for the manifestation of his glory. Amen? Amen? From glory to glory. There's a new level coming. There's a new level coming. There's a new level coming. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this.